From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Friday, uh, November, uh, sorry, January 5th, excuse me. I, I was looking at the time, Danny, Flecka, uh, 11.33, and I somehow viewed that as the date. It is not, it is not November 33rd. It is, no, it is January 5th, 2024. Happy New Year, above everything else. Danny Flecka, Happy New Year. Yes, uh, Danny Flecka back with us, and we got a national championship to decide, sir. Yeah, I, I think we got some some interesting storylines in this game coming up on on uh, on Monday. Um, I thought the games on last week were really good. Um, you know, too was, late. They ended too late. They they did end too late, and and you know, there's definitely areas for improvement there. How so, you know, you know, I think we talked about it earlier this year with like the rule changes coming to college football. And at the end, all, all of those rule changes did was just create more advertisement space, uh, for the, the supporters and the, <laughs> and all those, all those organizations and companies that, you know, throw money into these sports left and right. It did nothing to make the game less, you know, it didn't, it did nothing to make the game more efficient. We'll, we'll put it that way. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just a, it's a stark contrast. You watch, you know, I watch a lot of football, watch a lot of NFL, watch a lot of college. College it never seems to stay within the confines of like their windows, whereas the NFL is is pretty much you know yeah. you're getting anywhere between a a three hour and three hour and fifteen minute time slot for those games. You know, very rarely do you get the the, the four hour game, and if you do, there's a reason, right? There is a major injury weather delay, overtime, you know, whatever uh, it may be on that side. But college just seems to continuously stretch that, that time frame, and you would think it would be less, um, but I think it's just the high variance in college uh, between offense and defense in, in some matchups, and sometimes the speed at which they they score at, you know, creates these, these longer games. But um, you know, what we got, I thought, on Monday were two very well-played games. Um, you know, you go back and you hear the commentary of what we saw. You know, there, there's there's ways to pick and, and, and see, you know, where these games potentially were not very well-played, but you look at some of the other college football playoff games we've gotten in the past, you know, 10 years or so that this thing's been in existence, and very rarely have we gotten one-score games in the semifinals. So these these are the best ever. semifinals probably of all time, period. Yeah, and, and there were, you know, there's alternate universes where maybe these games aren't so close. Uh, you look at the Michigan-Alabama game. I, I thought after that J.J. McCarthy play, um, and first drive from Michigan, uh, where they gifted, you know, Alabama a good field position and then fumbled the, the punt return to give them the 7-0 lead. I thought Michigan was a better team. Mm. Um I thought they took it to them. They responded very well after they went down seven nothing. Their defense was continuously harassing, you know, Milrow in the backfield. Uh, it was very fragmented for Bama, even though they they seemed to have the leg up in the third quarter. My my thought was if Michigan could just flip the field a little bit, get a turnover, which they did, even though they didn't score off of it, they would have the upper hand, and they did. Uh, you know, it very easily could have been a Michigan win by 10 to 14 points, if not for some of the mistakes in special teams. 
but that's what we get, right? That's the game. The game is, you know, these mistakes are, are part of the game. So when you hear people say, oh, well, if they didn't do this, if they didn't do that, or they're lucky play here and there, that's the game, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's what happens, especially in college. Like the, the, the variance is so high that you have to sort of understand that these things are going to happen. Uh, and then in the Washington-Texas game, it was back and forth in the first half, and, and I thought that it was going to be like that the rest of the game. And, and unfortunately for Texas, they had some key turnovers in that game. Um, one of them was very fluky. You know, they were they were driving down, getting ready to score, and the running back runs into a wide receiver, a tight end, and fumbles it. And then you know, you kind of have the game flip a little bit there. Uh, but overall, you know, these games presented something different for us uh, that, that we've seen in the past. And, and I think what we we have are, I think, the two best teams um, that, that made it. I, I didn't think Alabama was, was you know, deserving of the spot, even though they, they beat Georgia. But that's the way the cookie crumbles, you know, with this, this type of format. I definitely think Michigan's been the best team. I took them, you know, money line, spread on Monday. Because you know, I wasn't going to ignore what Alabama was all year. Um, and that was sort of a, a middling team. You know, they may have had the record in the SEC championship. They weren't that good, you know, game to game. If you really like sat down and paid attention to them, and Washington and Texas, you know, Texas may have the better better team, um, you know, on paper, but some key spots were not, you know, 100% healthy for them. Ewers took some big shots there, you know, in the second half too. And, and Penix and his skill players, you know, definitely demonstrated that they are maybe some of the best, you know, skill players we've seen since the LSU team. Um, you know, not to say that they are that LSU team with Joe Burrow, Chase, Jefferson, Marshall, uh, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but when you throw out there Roma Dunze, McMillan and Polk, you know, you are talking about three wide receivers that are going to be drafted in the NFL in the first three rounds. Uh, another quarterback, you know, we can debate what Penix's, you know, potential future in the NFL is, but he's probably drafted in the first two rounds next year. Uh, I mean, this year. So, you know, it, it's hard to stop that in college. You don't have the personnel to stop three NFL players and, and a potential first round NFL quarterback. It's just really hard to do. Dan Flecker with us here on uh, Teeing It Up. What I find really fascinating about this matchup is Michael Penix, and we've seen his growth through the year. Uh, if you go back to the what was it, the uh, the big the big trap uh, the uh, big game early in the year that had game day after and everything um, it was a noon kick. I'll, I'll think of it eventually. Um, and then you had, um, you know, kind of seeing him continue to grow, continue to grow, um, or, uh, uh, sorry, o o Oregon. He gets that winning against Oregon. And you, you've seen him build up and build up and build up and build up. And then you contrast that against this Michigan defense that on that fourth and goal from the three, Jaden Melrose had nowhere to go. Yes, the snap was off, but he's running right into the line. Like, geez. So, in my mind, I'm looking at this game going, if you're uh, Penix, you've got to put the ball in the right place, in the right slot, at, at, at exactly the right time, or you are going to end up in trouble. 
yeah, th- this game on Monday comes out to a couple things for me when you look at it from a you know handicapping perspective. You look at what Michigan did against Alabama. Their defense was relentless, and I thought I think the matchup against Bama was was always going to present Michigan with the opportunity to to own that specific matchup. Um, you know, you don't have a very explosive quarterback that throws the ball uh, very much. You know plays into what your defense is good at, you know, lines of scrimmage. You weren't really being tested on the perimeter with the pass game. And Michigan knew that, and they understood what they needed to do, and, and they were able to, to execute. On offense, it was the same thing for them, right? They they could play bully ball against Alabama. They knew that if they ran the ball, used their play action, they used McCarthy on some design runs, um, you know, just get those plays that would pick up some chunks for you and just stay ahead of the six as much as possible that they were going to be able to stay in that game. On the flip side, you look at Washington, you watch that game over again against Texas, and you see Panics avoiding sack after sack after sack, contested passes being caught. I think it was 19 of 20 passes thrown to wide receivers were caught. Now, big chunk plays, offensive line holding up. Is that translatable, you know, game after game? Um, some would say yes. You know, again, the wide receivers at, at Washington are really, really good. Um, but I do think that Michigan presents some different types of challenges for Washington. Uh, another thing, too, Washington might be out there they're running back. So yeah. not being able to present some diversity on offense might limit, I think, the ceiling for Washington in this game. And then you flip it on the other side. Washington's defense held up enough against Texas, but some of that, I think, had to do with Texas going away from what it was good at. You know, and they weren't running the ball as efficiently in the second half or even, you know, from a volume perspective, running it enough. We know Michigan's not going to do that. We know they're going to run the ball. Um, and can their defense, can Washington's defensive line hold up enough to create three three and outs or, you know, to stop them and prevent touchdowns from occurring? And, or those, I think that one thing in this game that, that people are going to see very early on is is Michigan's approach to maybe just milk the clock, go on long sustained drives, you know, six, seven, eight minute drives, and really force Washington to be perfect. Um, because I do think that if Michigan controls the time of possession early on, Washington might be scrambling a little bit, and those big big plays will have to come more frequently and I think that's again where Michigan may be able to pull them into a game that they are more comfortable with where it's like we know you're going to pass the ball they can load up in coverage we trust our defensive line to get after you or at least make you uncomfortable and if you're going to be 19 of 20 go ahead try it again let's see if you can do it Um, so I do think that's like where this game is going to be played is if Michigan can control the clock uh, they're going to be able to really dictate what Washington does on offense. You know, it's the other side of the ball. I think that 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 really affects. And can Washington muster up enough offensively to counter what they might be seeing as you know limited possession? So I, I think that's how this game breaks down for me. Michigan is, you know, I I think I've said this uh, maybe to you or to other people, but I think they've been the best team in the country all year. Uh, despite what their their schedule was, whatever it is, there's just something about this team this year. And if it's not now for them, when is it ever going to happen? Um, and I think they understand that too. Um, this is a very unique roster that they have. Um, you know, Jim Harbaugh has said early on in the year that he expects this team to beat 
the record of drafted NFL players this year. Um, and that's something, right? You know, that's that's not five-star recruits that are coming up. These are developmental individuals they have groomed and brought up to speed in their system that will be drafted in the NFL uh, in 2024. So I think Michigan just has too much bully ball in them for Washington to counter that consistently in a 60-minute game. I, I think their possessions are just going to be so limited. They're going to have to be perfect every single time they touch the ball. Uh, Dan Fleck is with us here on Seeing It Up. We flip. Oh, sorry. One, one last thing before we flip to the pros. If Michigan wins, is Harbaugh gone to gone back to the NFL? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he signed that contract extension. I don't know if that was floated out there earlier before the game started on Monday. According to Adam Schefter, he is not. And Schefter yeah, so- is, 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 is a Michigan alum. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're Jim Harbaugh and you win this national championship here with Michigan, you really have done everything you can there, in my mind, right? Well, what else can you possibly do there? Um, The Big Ten is going through some changes. Next year, if Michigan does lose all those players to the NFL draft, you know, what type of team are you going to have? Might it make more sense to let somebody else start that process? It, I mean, if it were me, I'd, I'd probably say, I mean, you look at some of the NFL openings that might be coming up this year, I'm really comfortable being a coach for the Las Vegas Raiders or the Chargers or the Panthers. I mean, those are not jobs that I would jump at, and I get it, right? There's only so many jobs, and these are coaches. They're going to they're gonna do what's best for them, and they're going to take those opportunities and a guy like Jim Harbaugh is not shy of taking on reclamation projects but you know I wouldn't want to work for Mark Davis I wouldn't want to work for David Temper I, I the Chargers yeah they have Justin Herbert but they're always playing second fiddle their, their owner is not the most uh, lavish you know he won't go out and spend a ton of money it's going to be, those are hard jobs, I think, even with some of the talent that might be on those individual rosters. But I I think if I'm reading the tea leaves, if he hasn't signed that contract, my guess is that he wants that option open to him. And if he wants the national championship, it just creates an opportunity for him to say, I, I did what I promised. I've given you guys three straight Big Ten championships, three straight playoff appearances, and a national championship. I think I've done what I said I, I was going to do and, and let you know somebody else take the reins as we head into a new era of what college football is going to look like in 2024. Which is a whole new era with 12-team playoff and a whole whole different look for a lot of things. Um, so that could well be the case. Uh, Daniel Flecker with us here. I'm seeing it up. We flip to the pros. There's a lot we can... There's, there's, there's a lot of ways to attack this, a lot of unknowns and knowns in the, in, in the NFL right now. I want to go to Sunday night for a second just because of how volatile this can be for Buffalo um, in the playoff picture. Your sense of that game, Buffalo-Miami. I think I'm not, I'm not moving off Buffalo. I think I've been pretty steadfast at the way I think that this team is is constructed the way that they're playing, the way that the road was looking for them. I've been on them pretty much since they played the Jets the second time. Um, you know, if I look at what they've done 
since they played the Jets. You know, they have won five of six games. Their only loss was to Philadelphia on a you know, last-second field goal or touchdown. I can't remember exactly what happened. It was kind of fluky. Um, in that time, too, they have covered the spread in four games. They've, they've, they haven't in two of them, but those, those are as double-digit uh, favorites, and those games are just really hard to cover in general. The NFL is a double-digit favorite. They've outplayed the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Cowboys in that stretch. I know they go to Miami, where this Miami team is unfortunately hitting a point in the season where a lot of outside factors are starting to play into what this team is going to be capable of doing. You know, they, they're probably without Waddle. Uh, Mozart is still questionable. Their depth at running back is being, being definitely challenged right now. Their depth at offensive line is being challenged. They've lost two of their best defensive edge rushers. Uh, so, you know, so replacing those guys won't be easy. They'll be out one of their top quarterbacks. And then you throw in that Tyreek Hill is dealing with some off-field issues this week as well. So the mindset of this team in Miami might be a little bit um, out there. Um, throwing that they still have, you know, they've only beaten one team that was a over 500 record. Just got the the doors blown out, blown off of them in Baltimore. You look at this game too, and, and Miami still is in the playoffs with a win, with a loss. Um, so they, they have a back door that they can go in through. Buffalo, to me, though, has been on a different sort of mission. Uh, these are the games I think that they've gotten up for this year. Getting that two seed would be absolutely uh, invaluable for them. Um, obviously, they can still make the playoffs with a loss and, and with certain scenarios going in, but I'm not getting off of what Buffalo's been doing the last six weeks. I've been on them. Um, since since that Jets game, like I mentioned, and I'm not going to get off that wagon right now. You wanted to highlight Philly and Philly-Dallas um, because of what Philly has done or lack thereof uh, done in this stretch. Yeah, I mean, I've been on, I, again, I think I've been right on the Eagles for a very long time. Um, now, that game against Arizona, you looked, you know, I, was, I had it on and off because I was following, um, you know, stuff for like fantasy uh this this past weekend and you know they were up 21 to 6 and at that point i was like okay this you know the, the cardinals yeah. will probably just relax a little bit you know there's, there's nothing for them to play for the eagles have a double digit lead two touchdowns you know they should be able to to take care of this game and they end up losing and then you dive it deeper into this game a little bit and you look at what was done here by Arizona. It's pretty impressive, despite what the score was at halftime. They outgained them by almost 200 yards. They had almost twice as many first downs, and they had almost two times the amount of time of possession, despite being down double digits in the first half. That, to me, speaks of something else going on here with, with Philadelphia. The, not, the ability not to sustain drives, the ability uh, to stop people on defense. You know, their, their, their play calling is very questionable. I don't understand what they do. You look at that la those last couple of drives there, score is 28-28, and the Philadelphia Eagles have a drive of six plays for 14 yards after Arizona attempted a 
an onside kick. That should be a drive that ends the game. There's about four minutes left. There's about four minutes left in the game. You should be able to run the ball against one of the worst run defenses in the NFL and really take that game down to maybe a minute, 45 seconds left in the game. Then you kick your field goal and you know you hopefully walk out of there with the win. They had some bizarre play calls in that game and on that drive. You know, a couple of Jalen Hurts runs that were minus 15 yards that they really kind of put themselves in a bad spot there. Um, and then, you know, you see Arizona get the ball back with a little bit over two minutes left, and they go down the field and they score while running the ball, too. They weren't just throwing the ball. They were running the ball. You know, very strategically, they were running the ball. And Philadelphia could not stop them. I just don't think this team is on the same page as anything right now. Um, despite their talent, despite the players they have, um, there, there's some fragments of, of, I think, philosophy of what's going on here. Um, I don't like their usage of their run game. You know, they, they don't really utilize, I think, the, the personnel they have appropriately. And then I think their pass game has been very vanilla this year. You know, we see, we've seen a lot less deep shots being taken, a lot more playing in front of the sticks. Um, you know, whether that's because they have a first-time play caller and their offensive coordinator or that's just like the design that they want to run with, I just don't think that this team has utilized their talent to their ability this year just based off of what it is that we've seen all year. I mean, they're 11-5, and five and I don't think I'd feel confident in them winning a playoff game even if they get a good matchup just because they have not been able to, I think, sustain anything the last – now, since that Bills game, it's been really, really bad for them. There's a lot in the NFL playoff slate that we can look at. we got five minutes. What else here uh, interests you? Uh, yeah, there's, I, there's, there's a lot, but is there one or two things that kind of pops out at you immediately? I mean, the Houston Indy game tomorrow night is going to be fascinating. Um, two teams that no one thought would be in the spot yep. at the beginning of the year. I'm leaving Houston here. I'm taking the better quarterback. Um, I was looking at this game, handicapping it earlier in the week. Um, you know, C.J. Stroud missed two games, and they lost the first two games of the year. Uh, they're nine and five since the since the week three, and C.J. Stroud is nine and three in those games because he missed two of them. When he's on the field for them, he makes a, a, a big difference. And yes, they are banged up too. And let's not pretend that they have their full complement of, of uh, talent there right now, but going to take the Texans tomorrow. I'm taking the better quarterback. You know, these are two first-year head coaches going against each other, so there's going to be some boneheaded things that are going to happen in this game just with the pressure of making the playoffs right there for you. I'm taking the quarterback that's played in these high-leverage spots in the past. Yes, they were in college, but he's played in them. He understands them. He's been phenomenal this year. You look at what they did last week, too. Their defense really stepped up. I, I I gotta give the Texans the edge here, just given what what I'm gonna, you know, how I'm how these games usually go. And whenever I'm in doubt in these types of games, I'm always gonna lean on the quarterback. On the quarterback, which quarterback is better? So I'm gonna take the Texans tomorrow, uh, which hopefully should put them in the playoffs. But then there, you know, Sunday's games are really interesting too because of the way that the schedule's laid out. Um, you know, you you look at the one o'clock slate. There's really not a lot there that's going to determine too much. 
since he Jets pants, the end of Bill Belichick's era. Yeah, that's more for like draft positioning, right? Yes. Um, but you look at Cincy, Cleveland. That game doesn't matter. Minnesota, Detroit. Um, you know, Minnesota has an outside shot at the playoffs, but uh, you know, in all likelihood, I think that the Detroit Lions are going to play most of their starters. Maybe hope for an outside shot here at um, the two seat given maybe what happens, you know, at the 4 o'clock slate. So I think they're going to play, you know, to the end there. Tennessee-Jacksonville, this one's sneaky. Um, yeah, Jacksonville bounced back last week and, and beat a very bad Carolina team. But wouldn't it uh, – this, this game kind of reminds me of a game a couple years ago. It was Indianapolis versus Jacksonville. Indy was going into Jacksonville against a very bad Jacksonville team with an opportunity to make the playoffs, and Jacksonville beat – beat them pretty bad. Um, this game has those types of vibes for me. Uh, Titans team has nothing to play for here. Jacksonville has everything to play for. But wouldn't it just be very NFL for the Titans to come through here and beat them? I think that's how this game feels to me. I, yeah. I'm just going off of vibes there. Um, Saints-Falcons, who cares? <laughs> I mean... Um, if the Saints win and the Bucks win, I still think the Bucks win the division, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but in the four o'clock slate, you have some more intriguing matchups, right? Philly, Philly, New York. You know, I think I think the Giants are going to play them really, really tough. Um, it's going to be an ugly game if we're looking at the weather. Oh, I, I forgot I, about that part. Them. Yeah, it could be windy, cold, maybe yeah, rainy. Yeah. And if and if Dallas is beating Washington by a decent amount, does Philadelphia just say, "Hey, let's just call it off"? You know, we are where we are right now. No one to blame but ourselves. We'll take we'll take the seed that we get and we go from there. Yeah. Um, you know, so you know it's going to be a very winding road. I think you know on Sunday, uh, depending on how things shake out. But I, I do think that there's. That week 18 usually presents some opportunity for for teams that are going nowhere to close out the season in a, in a position that they want us to close it out in. Um, and I would not be so surprised to see some upsets here that that maybe affect the, the playoffs. You know, again, Chicago Green Bay. That game is means a lot. Um, yeah, the Bears aren't in the playoffs, but if they beat the Packers, that just creates more of a mess, uh, to be honest. And they could very well beat them with the way they've been playing lately. So, um, a lot, a lot still to play for here. There's only a couple of games here that have no consequence. And I think, you know, those are Cleveland, Cincinnati, Jets, Patriots, um, Broncos, Raiders, and, you know, Chiefs, Chargers, every, and Rams, 49ers. Everything else has their fingertip on, playoff uh, positioning and draft positioning. Ah, oh, the Jets, the Jets, the Jets. Unfortunately, you have things to do or else we would do another half hour on on, on the uh, Jets and their future. Uh, but we will end it there. Dan Flecka, thank you as always for joining us and we will sh see how this all plays out. No problem, I mean, have a good one. You got it.